So for several years, I would take our church youth group on missions trips to the country of Estonia. One year, we thought it'd be a great finish to the week to have a late night dance party. So we pumped the music and the room was quickly hopping with students dancing around. After about 20 minutes, someone shouts out, quick, hide, here comes the police. I look out the window and sure enough, I see police cars outside and I see police walking to the front doors of the school. I look over at my Estonian camp director counterpart only to see his face turning as white as a sheet. He looks at me and simply said, this could be very bad. So now I, the American leader, overseas with other people's children, begins to get incredibly nervous. I was asked to hand over my passport while an officer went back to his car to quote unquote check it out. After making me sweat for a solid 20 to 30 minutes, that officer returns with my passport tells us to please keep the music down, and then pulls me aside with a stern look in his eye to tell me privately to please be more careful because there are many people who do not like what you're doing here. Then he gives me a pat on the shoulder, a rare Estonian smile, and a cheery good night, and he takes off. Man, I think for sure I aged at least 15 years that night. Hey everyone, welcome to Unlearning Youth Group, we're the podcast where we take a look at all the things we learned back in youth group, find the good, unlearn the bad, and figure out where the heck we go from here. We haven't met, my name is Jonathan Caron, and we're joined as always by our co-host, Mr. Eric Williams. Eric, go ahead and say hey to the people. Hi people. Uh, so this week, the topic is all about how we elevated going into full-time ministry or becoming missionaries into the peak level of holiness. Mm. If you grew up in certain circles... Uh, if you grew up in the 90s and 2000s, and I hope to God people don't do this today, but I'm pretty sure it still happens. This phrase might give you a little PTSD, and I'm going to blame TikTok user Jan C. Webb for this one because she unlocked this phrase after it had been repressed deep down in my soul when I asked this on a video. But if you've ever heard the, the phrase, come forward if you'd like to give your life to Jesus, rededicate your life to him, or commit your life to full-time Christian service. Mm. at a camp or a youth service, then this episode uh, will be right up your alley and you'll know exactly what we're talking about today. Yeah, that's it's very interesting. Um, you know, you and I were talking about this. I don't have all of the same experiences on that side because, you know, I I was a part of smaller like community churches where we would have traveling, you know, you'd have like the full-time overseas missionaries that would then like take their week or their two weeks in the States and travel to a couple of different churches. And it would just be like a, Hey, here's what we did. And here's a recruiting pitch. And it was always such a hard sell. And early on, especially I started to feel like, you know, now you kind of connect it to almost like a, a pyramid scheme or an MLM where it was like, they had to recruit you like Amway uh, to get into full time. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, like, you know, like who's going to be your downline and this was going to be your full-time missionary work. Um, you know, but as far as the other side goes, getting into full-time vocational ministry, that was something huge because we developed this like leadership first mindset. So maybe some of you have this experience where your church hosted the global leader, global leadership summit or some other thing like that every year. Like that was the Willow Creek, Bill Hybels deal. I mean, we were, we were adamant trying to get as many people to that thing as possible. Um, as many, you know, secular business owners and stuff, obviously for the business side, but also because then that was a good conversation on the side to talk to people about how God wants to use them 
in the church or in other sort of Christian ministry uh, as a job type of deal. Yeah, for some reason, we set up vocational ministry as an idol. We we made people think that the super Christians, if you were a special level of Christian, that's when you went into full-time ministry or became a missionary or something along that line. And we inadvertently, I'm saying inadvertently giving the positive thoughts because I want to give the benefit of the doubt, but we inadvertently confirm the myth to people that church was responsible for ministry and that telling people about Jesus was what the super Christians who God called to ministry were not for your everyday normal believer. Yeah. And I think like, think about all the different ways that that plays itself out. Like you said, we're going to, we're hoping for the best here for people's intentions, but even unintentionally, you know, I saw it with the college age students that served. Um, but, and you might've experienced this at Liberty too, but it's like, it seemed like every guy who wanted to get, who was even like close to wanting to do ministry at some point, had some calling to plant a church or had some calling to be a pastor and wanted to marry a woman who was either going to be a worship leader or the kids ministry director. It was like, they wanted to create mega, not mega church families, but like mega pastoral vocational. Yeah. Power church couple. Exactly. And like, I would see women, young, young women who would be like, I want to marry that guy. He's called to lead ministry or he's called to be a pastor. It's like, that was some status of elevation that not only did the church encourage, but then we kind of did the same thing in our, I don't know, in what, in what we found attractive in a potential spouse as well. This is probably a topic for its own show maybe, but at Liberty, it was that thing. Like if you are a pastoral studies undergrad major or something like that, as a dude, it opened you up to, for some reason, girls were more interested to you just because you were in that degree. Yeah. Girls that would say that they're not interested in dating or they're dating Jesus or one of the other (laughs) Christian lines that season of singleness, (laughs) season of singleness, um, God's called me, called me to be single right now. Yeah. All of those would go out the window if a guy came along that was going into ministry. And I yep. never understood it. I never got it. Yeah, that would be the old line of like, uh, hey, I'm pursuing Jesus right now. Then you find somebody who's uh, who wants to be into pastoral studies. Well, I'm going to pursue him as he pursues Jesus. It's like, oh, gosh. Yes. I, and I don't, I don't get what it was about the idea of moving, elevating that role. Yeah. It made us think that it was a super leader, a super Christian leader, a, all these things that the desire to go into ministry, all of a sudden, any deficiency was put to the side because someone said they felt like they were called to be in the ministry. Yeah. And because we elevated it so high and, Oh, you're called to that. Well, let's, let's put you on this track over here to get you going in that way. Yeah, exactly. And, and, Imagine how many issues that that causes for people, because as the church, we, you know, we would do that, whether intentionally or unintentionally. So we elevate some of these things like, you know, uh, an in, for, for example, one of the places I worked had an internship and an apprenticeship. And it was like, you basically went from leading in high school to like, if you didn't immediately go to college, we wanted you in the internship. And then if you were good as an intern, we unpaid. Wanted- 
Yeah. Well, you had to raise your own support. So of course you did, but that was it. It was like, you had to raise your own support. And um, if you didn't raise a certain amount, that was a sign that, you know what, maybe you weren't cut out to be an intern. If you can't, if you can't um, passionately speak about the calling that God has on your life to other people in a way that makes them want to invest in you and your leadership, then maybe that's, that's a sign that you shouldn't be an intern right or wrong. It was just weird. And then if you, if you advance to the apprenticeship for the next year, then you got a stipend, a very low stipend, but a stipend nonetheless. But then what happens is if you're an intern and you didn't make the apprenticeship or you didn't get hired by the church afterwards, there was something wrong with you. And a lot of times, former interns that didn't get hired, they were out of the church. It was like, you just didn't have an opportunity for them because they, there was something wrong. You didn't make the cut. So not, you're not good enough for the highest quote unquote, highest level of leadership in our church. Now you're not good enough at all. And you I don't make varsity, so there's no point in playing anymore. Exactly. And I don't know that 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 was said out loud, but that was the that was the experience that led to that kind of cultural uh feeling and phenomenon. But everybody wanted to be everybody wanted to be an intern. Everybody went, oh, I'm gonna be an intern, intern, intern. Either that or uh, you know, we've got it in our notes here. It's either I want to be an intern or they go to someplace like YWAM or, you know, something else like that. In our notes, I just put YWAM. I didn't put what was good or bad about it. I just put YWAM because if you know YWAM, you know a story of some kid who raised money to go to YWAM because they thought they were going to be a missionary and change the world. And really, they just spent nine months traveling on your money. Uh, yeah. And in, very in likely Hawaii. left the church. In Hawaii. I've had multiple people. Like There were people that I led. That, and one of them probably be listening. I'm sorry. This isn't about you. This is about the other guy who like contacted me. And said, "Hey, I want to talk to you about what God's doing in my life." And you know, and as soon as we started chatting about it, and it was like, "Yeah, I'm going to spend a couple months in Hawaii learning ministry." And I was like, "Okay, uh, that's why you need to." And raise then I'm going so to travel money. Europe for six months, right? Yeah. People oh, about Jesus, well, then I'm going to be in I'm going to be in Australia for six months, and you're just like, "Oh, okay, all right, great." You know, uh, awesome. Uh, tell me when you can roll a frying pan or rip a phone book in half, and then I'll start giving you. Some <laughs> Was, what, what were they? The power team, right? Is that what the thing was? The power team. Oh my goodness, the power team. Anyway, uh, so YWAM, but seventh also seventh grade South Stokes High School gymnasium with a girl named gave Brittany. your life to Christ all over again, right? You saw, <laughs> you saw some some giant dude with catcher's mitts for hands just ripping that phone book apart, and you went, "Jesus is alive, man! Jesus is alive!" And you just Anyway, okay. At the end of that power team message, they said, would you like to give your life to Jesus? Would you like to rededicate <laughs> your life to him? Or would you like to commit your life to full-time service? Oh, he brings right? it back. He brings it back. Yeah, that's it. It was probably done at the end of that. All right. So, all right. Pause Pause I, for I, editing book, bookmark cut point here. But then you, <laughs> all, you also have the issue with, with things like YWAM. And this brought back to last week's discussion on the issue with with Hillsong like they brought up their Hillsong college and the NDAs you had to sign and all that sort of stuff because it was trying to get people fast tracked into ministry but because of the already negative light set up and then you put it into a powder keg of some of the deficiencies we already have with the church and now you've got these young vulnerable college age just post high school students that think the highest level of leadership or the super Christian, the superhero Christian status is being in full-time vocational ministry. And you set them up in environments where people are predators or preying on them as well. So not only do we create issues by spiritually 
saying, hey, if you're not if you're not in full-time ministry, then you're not a good enough Christian. But then also we've put people in a vulnerable spot because you are trusting um, in this future that you think God has for you. And there are potential abusers that are around to, to prey on your on your situation, all because of that power dynamic. Well, and on the flip side of that, if you go into think about the 23-year-old kid who's being put into ministry and I, I was that kid one, yeah. I, because I, so I ran for ministry for the longest time. It's my grandfather was a pastor. I wanted nothing to do with full-time ministry because of what I'd seen there, but full-time ministry was elevated super high in my culture. Then I went to Liberty. I'm running from this idea of going into ministry. I finally accept it. And I go become an intern at a church, um, which was paid not much, but it was a paid internship. And so nice. at this point, I'm I'm now 23 with a seminary degree, and I'm ready to to climb the ladder. Mm. And there was another guy at the church that got there the same day I did, who was the same age as I did. He had some some ministry training, but but didn't I had a better degree than he did? And so in my mind, I'm going to climb this ladder over here super fast. We weren't com- competitors, but it was just lined up similar because of the timeline. Yeah. I didn't realize that he was hired to become a pastor, mm. whereas I was hired to be an intern. And yeah. so he was fast tracked. Yeah. And so in my 23, 24 year old mind, like I'm apparently not doing something right because someone else my age is climbing the ministry ladder faster than I did. Right. So either Jesus doesn't love me as much or he hasn't equipped me enough or one of so many different other emotions that I've got there from a personal standpoint, because if ministry is the highest goal and someone's doing it better than I am, then something's wrong with me. Yeah. And that took years and years to unlearn. So there are all sorts of, you've got the leadership perspective of why this was bad. You've got the personal perspective of why this was bad for the people who ended up doing this. We haven't even gotten to the idea that, like a, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who's a pastor last week who said he's actively telling his son not to go into ministry at a church because most churches are terrible to work for. Sure. This is a guy who leads churches, right? but he he's had enough experience to understand what his son will be walking into as a 20 something year old. So there's all that, but then the big picture focus, the big bad that I want to focus on this week is by setting up ministry, vocational ministry as the highest form of your spiritual level. We, we basically said that the normal everyday ministry of the Christian wasn't as good as someone who's being paid for it full time. Yep. And I think one of the reasons why we have gotten to a place where we are today in the church and in Christian life is because we abdicated the responsibility of the individual Christian to go and make disciples and we gave it to the church. Yep. And so we've got years and decades of the church being the authority and being the people who do this. And we don't know how to have conversations with our friends and neighbors and coworkers about Jesus, because if we didn't go into ministry, we weren't taught how to do that. Yeah, you asked a question or you processed something on TikTok um, a while back now at the point where this will release, uh, where you asked about how do we decentralize some of this ministry stuff? How do we 
how do we help Christians realize that like they don't they don't need to cut like Sunday isn't the only place where ministry happens or churches and the only place that ministry happens. And I think this is definitely it. It's a, it's a structure issue, which is probably, you know, going to be a topic for, for the future, but because inadvertently most of our energy in church is put behind the weekly gathering, whether that's a Sunday, a Wednesday, a Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday, that is unintentionally um, creating this dependency. And so now you see, who is it uh, at the biggest thing where everybody's gathering? Who are the people that are making this happen? The people on stage with the little microphones and the skinny jeans, you know, like, so now not only is the church, the source and the place and the one day a week, the gathering place for what, what is ministry and when God is moving and like people have to go into this place on Sunday in order for ministry to happen and life change to happen. But then second of all, the people that are um, facilitating it are the people with the staff lanyards on. They are the people with the microphones. And so you are setting it up systemically, um, whether you are intentionally doing this or not, to see church as being the source of where ministry happens and to see the people on staff as the people that are making it happen, even though the, you know, what I don't even remember what the hours are. You know, the other six days of the week are way more impactful and have many more opportunities for you to do ministry right in your own workplace, your own community. And I did this. I am guilty of this because I gave, I want to say, two different talks in student ministry about how we should invite our friends to Jesus, which is a great biblical point. We need to bring our friends to Jesus. But then I told students the way to do that is by bringing them to church or yeah. bringing them to youth group. Yep. And so that it's because I was taught ministry hap like ministry is where that happens. Yep. Full-time vocational ministry or the church is where they're going to learn about Jesus. It's, I wasn't taught. And because it was also easier to tell 16 year olds to bring their friends to, to church to meet Jesus, instead of teaching them how to tell their friends about Jesus, yep. that's kind of what we did. And so this whole, I did, we're off script at this point, just so you guys know, we're kind of like, Who cares? This is where we, it, it isn't where I, I wanted to go with this episode, but it's where it's going. The fact that, yes, we elevated missionaries and ministers and all that to be the peak of Christianity and pe the peak of spirituality, but we did it at the detriment of showing believers that we're all called into full-time Christian service. Yeah. And it's, I, not, I, it's not necessarily a job. Right. And I think there are probably listeners right now and that have listened to other episodes and we don't do this disclaimer enough, but you might be thinking, well, that's not what my church did. And good for you. Cause your church. Absolutely. Yeah, there are I'm probably churches out there that are great. In fact, I'm working with a church right now that all they do is plant house churches where all you're doing is you're worshiping as a group at church and the central group sends out the teaching and everything else like that. But all the money stays in your own house church with your community and you're serving throughout the week. Like, great. But I think you need to realize that the reason why you see some of these things that need to be unlearned from the Christian perspective, from the Western, basically Americanized Christian perspective, evangelical Christian perspective, is because this is pervasive. And so seeking this out and making sure that it doesn't catch root in your church and in your mentality is important too. I think so many people are walking away from that weekend experience or from the organized uh, corporate church because of, um, yes, many of the, the bigger, probably more detrimental uh, 
uh, abuse type of issues, but also for this, because we've set an example for people that um, what you do during the week doesn't matter as much as what happens on the weekend. Your job, you know, Jonathan, your job as a as a designer, as a marketing guy, as a web guy, is not as impactful for Jesus as the, you know, as the youth pastor at the local church. And I think not that that needs to be a competition at all, but boy, it leads to us either not uh, not feeling like we're good enough, or if I show up on Sunday and I check the box, there we go, I've done my work for Christ, and neither of those are healthy long term. I think one of the things that is totally absent in the world of give your life to Christian service is a mountaintop that we should seek to to climb is the role of the Christian in regular life, in the workplace, in the stay at home mom, in the teacher, Mm -hmm. in all of these quote unquote, secular jobs. Yep. Like last year, I'm just going to give myself as an example. Me and my wife were able to give away more money than I made in my two years as an intern. In one year, we gave that much money away because of business than I made in those two years as an intern. Yep. I couldn't have done that working full-time in a church. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to support other things financially. I now have the time. I have built a business to where I have regular time in my schedule to do stuff like this, to yep. where we're reaching people that if you put all the people who listen to this podcast into a church, that'd be a good sized church. Mm-hmm. And we get to speak to those people about this type of stuff on a regular basis. I was able to give services away to churches. because of the business. I was able to help churches and ministries because that's what I do in my business. And so, yes, I am not in full-time vocational ministry now at 35, but I feel like I'm having an even bigger impact for Jesus given what I'm able to do through the workplace than I would have had I stayed full-time on staff at a church. Yeah. And I think there are plenty of churches, uh, maybe I shouldn't say plenty, but I have seen places where this is done right and acknowledged. And like I said, that global leadership summit type of mentality. Yes. There were plenty of times where like the intent behind that, I know there's a lot of my friends and former colleagues who are probably up in arms that I even mentioned it. Like the intent behind that is to help people lead better in their secular day-to-day jobs and lead better for Jesus in that way. Because if you become a better manager and a servant leader, if you um, are treating your employees the way Jesus treated people, yes, your job is going to get better and their lives are going to get better. 100%. The other model that I've seen from Church of the Highlands is they have these different groups, but one of the groups is like, is a, uh, and I forget what the, what the group is called, but it's basically a group of people that all have generosity as as a as a high high level on their their spiritual gifts and they either make a lot of money or able to give a lot of money away and they gather together and they go hey what is god leading us to fund in our church and in our community and it's a way to go like no 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 please you know keep your six seven figure income job we don't want you to come work for the church we want you to be the best corporate executive you can be. And then guess what? We're going to use your talents. We're going to use your insight. We're going to use your perspective. And we're going to gather together with others that have your same mindset. And we're going to 
leverage that for the gospel and say, okay, what is it? What's the big thing in our neighborhood that we want to fund? What's the big thing that we want to try and push forward? And it's like, yes, gather together people who are working in secular jobs and, and leverage them for the gospel in that way. The other thing is, um, I don't know if you've ever done this, but like my wife went on a, uh, a mission trip where it, w- um, imagine this, it wasn't just a mission trip where you go down and you dig a well or you build a house that you're not <laughs> qualified to do, right? She's an educator and they had a an educator's mission trip where they took four or five different educators, flew them down to Honduras, and they checked out the local school systems and tried to figure out how can we leverage some of the expertise that we have in our community and help figure out how they can solve some of their problems with education. The same thing is true with medical missions. You don't want to pull away that doctor, that surgeon, that nurse from doing their job in the hospital to go, you know what? You should be a full-time pastor. No, keep doing your job at the hospital. And then we're going to put you on a, on a mission team once, twice, three, four times a year to leverage your skills, talents, and abilities. Um, you know, internationally for the gospel as well. And then let's take it out of the workplace. Stay at home moms. There are so many things that, that moms or stay at home parents. If, if dad's doing it, you take the kids to the park, you get to know the people who are there at the same times you are, you do play dates with other people and you're stuck talking to parents stuck. that you may not know. <laughs> and so you can ha- you can be intentional about developing those relationships and looking for the moments of quote unquote ministry that are there so that you can point people to Jesus in those normal conversations. Yep. Ministry is not something you get paid for. Right. And I think that's that's where we went wrong in that we set this up as the only people who do ministry are the ones who get paid for it. Right. But our culture, the church is going to get more and more decentralized. Mm-hmm. And the, the trust of the local church, the ch- local church has lost the benefit of the doubt at this point in most areas, and or at least in culture at large, it has lost the benefit of the doubt. So people are going to be less and less inclined to come to church to hear about Jesus, but they're going to listen to you if they have a relationship with you. They're going to listen to you if they see that you, something in your life is different than everyone else around you. And it's in those moments that we look at the Great Commission. It's like, oh, so that's what that's about. It's right. it's the everyday normal interactions with people to where you can point them to Jesus in ways that are just not spooky, not weird, not anything. It's just a conversation of like, well, why do you think that? Like, what, what's your perspective on that? Or, right. here, well, here's why. I believe this. Oh, well, can you tell me more about that? Yeah, sure. And so it's it's built on that as opposed to you have to have this cry night at church camp moment to where we give our life to Jesus and accept a call to vocational ministry. That happens. Don't get me wrong. Like, I know that happens. I know there are people listening to this that that happened to them, but it's not just that. Every day as a believer should be a life of ministry, looking for the opportunities you have to point people to Jesus. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, so many people, 
you know, you get manipulated or you start hearing whether it's Isaiah 6, 8, and it's like, oh, whom shall I send? The Lord says, who's going to go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. And you think like, oh yeah, that's it. Or, you know, you hear a, a sermon about how um, Jesus called fishermen to drop their nets, you know, leave the job site and come and work in full-time ministry. He went to a tax collector, Matthew, and he said, you know, stop working what you're doing and come with me. And like, we just get we just get this incomplete view of what ministry looks like and what the gospel looks like because we hear those things, we see those things, or we focus on those things as opposed to like, how was that ministry actually done in the Bible? It was done when people were doing everyday life. It was done over a meal. It was done while trying to get water. It was done as they were walking from one place to another. It wasn't done primarily you know, Jesus did preach and teach in the temple, but a lot of his ministry was done outside of the temple. And I think that's it was the, at dinner. Yeah, it exactly. Was at, it was at dinner. It was at dinner with people that didn't want to go to the temple. Think correct. about that. Or who so weren't those, or who weren't accepted at the temple. Yeah, weren't even allowed in. Which there. is a whole different conversation. Exactly. So I think we have to change the way we view ministry because we need Christian CPAs. We need Christian financial planners. We need Christian teachers and janitors and marketers and moms and dads and soccer coaches and fill in the blank, whatever Mm -hmm. we need. The fact that our identity has to come first in Christ, not in our job title. Yes. And if our identity is rooted in in Jesus. In both ways, in both ways, not your job title as a vocational minister, but also not your job title in your job either. You are a Christian first. And as a Christian, you are called to love God, love others, and make disciples of all nations. Mm -hmm. So the role first and foremost is to do that. You use whatever job you have to make that happen. Yes. And whatever role you've been put in, in this season of life. And it's not a, oh, well, I'm this, so I can't do that. It's, you have to use what you have. I totally agree. And what, and I love that you said that because it brings something up to me. And I, and I I think about those stories, like when Jesus heals a blind man or the lame, you know, the lame man, those sorts of things. It's like, Jesus has the power to just think it. And this guy can see, or this guy can walk. But in a lot of times, why do you think he like, he, you know, gets some mud and mixes it around and puts it on the, you know, like, why does he do that? Why does he say, Hey, get up. I'm going to stir the pool, you know, go into the pool again, that sort of thing. Why does he use those things? I, I don't know. But what I like is that there's an example of like, even Jesus, who is God walking among us is using what he has. And, you know, he uses the two fish and the loaves. He could have just snapped and like, there's a full course, you know, whatever meal but he uses what he has that's right in front of us. And whether you want to read into that text or not, I like to look at that and say, okay, that tells me as well that I can use what's in front of me that I've been given to make exponentially more out of it. Because when you partner with what you have with what God can provide for you, that's what's going to make uh, make the difference. So that opportunity that you have, that lunch that lunch break, that, you know, that commute, that, like you said, that play date, that whatever it happens to be, what are you using what God has given to you in order to make, uh, you, you know, make disciples for him? And it doesn't have to be something you're paid for. It doesn't have to be with the pastor or minister or missionary title. 
And so that's that's the hope that we hope you walk with as you leave today. As you go into this week when you're listening to this, just look for opportunities to where you can be in full-time ministry in whatever you're doing. Mm. And so if you look in, if you if you go about your week with those eyes, I'd be really interested to see what opportunities you see that you didn't see before because you just weren't looking for it. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, Eric, you know what we're talking about next week? Do you remember? I have no idea. Next week, the working title is Stop Talking About Your Smoking Hot Wife. Oh, thank you. And thankful. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't wait for that one. Smoking hot with two T's. Stop it. Just stop it. Thankfully, I don't think that's a huge part of our culture anymore. But I, we are going to look into how like some of the good, bad and ugly with that, how that projected some things onto guys and girls um, growing up and how we should actually communicate some of those things moving forward. Uh, if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the show, rate us, review us, uh, share it with a friend if it's helped you out. If you want to continue the conversation, you can do that on social media. I am at Jonathan underscore Corone on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Eric is at Eric W712 on those platforms as well. If you want to get in touch with us or send a story for the front of the show, you can do that at hello at unlearningyouthgroup.com. That's it for this week. We hope you have a great week. Cool.